What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another installment in the Indeed and In Truth Ministries podcast series. I'm Logan. I'm Amber. And we are totally freestyling today. We have no particular topic, but we're just talking and having some conversation. We took a week off, um, and you guys have seen our websites launched. You guys can go over there. You guys can check out the podcast over there, most current episodes. You guys can see our daily devotions and stuff. The big thing was cleaning up our Facebook and our social media and trying to make it more social media. Um, is, is becoming quite overwhelming to go through and try to find all that stuff. Uh, and, and Amber seemed to be a little bit bugged by that um, until I just showed her that like 113 people have been in our website since we launched it. And so people are getting involved and they're looking at it. So um, that being said, uh, do you want to give them the spiel about how they can get a hold of us? And actually, it's kind of cool because now we can update that because now you guys can get a hold of us on our... On our- uh, web page. Yeah, on the web page, and it's actually got a tab there. You guys can submit prayer requests. Um, there's a tab there to actually contact us. Um, there is a giving thing. You guys can give now. That's officially something people can do. You guys can do it by PayPal. You guys can do it through Cash App, or you guys can reach out to us um, with cash or check. Like if you guys want to do cash or check or something like that, that's fine. Um, but because of how we had to register the ministry, and it's kind of like our personal address, like we don't need everybody and their mother having access to our personal address. Um, so if you guys have like cash or check or something like that you want to reach out to us with and you want to sew that into us, just reach out to us and contact us and we will help you organize a way to do so. Um, just so that way uh, it protects our privacy a little bit more. We're working on a P.O. box, but P.O. boxes are like $160 a year or something like that to to sustain. And uh, if there's anything that we've learned about a lot of in just in the last month, like there's a lot of monthly maintenance things that goes on for a business that we totally were not prepared for. Um, so, Amber, go ahead. Give them the spiel about how they can get a hold of us then. Well, you can get a hold of us on our Facebook. You can message us on our Messenger on our Facebook um, at Indeed and Truth. And then you can also get a hold of us at our email address, Indeed and Truth Ministries dot, at, or gmail. at gmail.com. And then our webpage at yeah, like Indeed this. and in Truth Ministries yeah, dot org. In, yeah, Indeed and, yeah, because I try to put Indeed in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mess that up. It's Indeed and in Truth Ministries dot org. So you guys can totally go check that out, and we'll update our uh, uh, descriptions and stuff like that to help suit that. So if you're somebody who listens to us on a regular basis, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, We are looking to do another testimony series, and so I have somebody who's wanting to do one, but if you are a person who's been listening to our podcast and stuff like that with us, and you guys are interested in sharing your testimonies, please reach out to us and tell us. Because yes. we will schedule a day for you to come sit in the studio with us and sit down and we'll, you know. We'll, I was about to say, in this time, we can do all three instead of just a one-on-one. Yeah, yeah well, I was about to say, say, we can do four people in total. But yeah. yeah, no, definitely. We'll bring you guys in and interview you guys and get your testimony laid out there. But no, I'm telling you, we definitely want to do that. Um, that website was a huge launch, huge step for us moving forward because now people can get a hold of us. You guys can give. And also, whenever we, we can now do this on the podcast and extend this to people who listen, if you guys want to get involved, just reach out and tell us. 
you know, and, and we will help you guys get that done because, uh, like I said, we want to get into another testimony series. And so with that being said, I think, um, what are you reading over there? Uh, well, I was going to share this thing that I had, that I was praying about the other day and I had written down on my, and I used my phone to write it down cause I was in my car. So I didn't have anything to write. And it was talking about sacrificing yourself. And it had said, um, hold on, let me find the beginning. Do, 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 <laughs> right. do, 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 do. They lost somebody in TV when he died. Yeah. Poor guy. What we fail to remember is the Bible says that you can have peace here on earth as it is in heaven. We can have these things here, but it does take work and it takes sacrifice. The hardest part as humans is to lay down our flesh and to sacrifice the things that we enjoy, but Jesus did it for us. He let the Roman guards beat him and mock him and literally shred the skin off of his back. But we can't go one day with being nice to one another and go one day loving on one another and going one day without being offended by one another. And then it says, come on church, we've got to do better. We've got to be better. Okay. So expound on your thought. Oh, well, I mean, I, it honestly came from a scripture that I was reading in Jeremiah 2.32, if you want to look that up. Um, and in, in that, he says, my people have forgotten me. And he was talking about how my people had forgotten me. And it's not so much that they'd forgotten who he is. It's forgotten. It, we have, as a people, as a whole, have forgotten what he did, what he did for us. Because if we hadn't forgotten what he had done for us, then why is it so hard for us to lay these things down? Why is it so hard for us to humble ourselves and to move forward and do the things that he has asked of us to do? Like, this was actually something I was actually looking at today, um, but it's not 222 because that's that's not right. Um, I said 232. Oh, 32? Okay, I heard 22. That's my bad. Yeah, okay, I see. Yeah, I literally was just, I was uh, listening to my audio Bible and stuff like that mm -hmm. today while I was working. It says, can a maid, uh, this is Jeremiah 222, or 232, I about did it again. Uh, can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. And not just that, but God had showed me in that because when I had when I was writing this down, God had showed me a church that had showed up uh, to their wedding day. A woman had showed up to her wedding day in her pajamas. And I was sitting there thinking, why would you even show me that? And like he was showing me, you know, that's the way my church is right now. That's my people right now. They're showing up to their wedding day in their pajamas because they're not ready. Right. Well, think about the uh, parable that Jesus used with the ten virgins. You know, five yeah. of them had lamps that were ready to go. Five of them didn't have lamps that were ready to go. And they said, well, we're going to go buy oil. You know, and so they come back and they missed it. They completely missed it. And, uh, you know, I was actually reading that. or Well, not necessarily reading, but I was listening to that. But I was just thinking because I was also looking at something uh, in Titus today uh, that stood out to me I thought was quite interesting. I'm going to laugh if you have the same thing written down. Hold on. Let me look here. See, this is this is why we just go unscripted. We don't even no efforts. No, that's not. I'm lying. I'm not. I'm lying. We put effort into it, but okay. It's um, not. I didn't write mine down. It must be ah. Mine. Maybe it was. Oh no, it wasn't Titus. I think it was filming. Either way, it was. Uh, go ahead and keep keep talking about what it is that you was talking about because I need to find this. 
Well, I was talking about sacrifice and how, you know, as the as the church, we are a bride of Christ and how it's not a rescue mission when he comes back. You know, that's really been on my heart lately is when he comes back, it is not a rescue mission. It's a it's a husband coming to pick up his bride for the wedding day. It's not. It, and, and the hardest thing as a church and whole is we forget that we need to prepare ourselves. Bible says constantly study to show yourself approved, study to show these things, seek me and find me. And it's constantly telling us this, but it also talks about how we should mirror God. You know, it talks about how we should mirror Jesus. And if he's living in us, then that means that we should be showing those fruits. We should be at, reacting the way Jesus did because the same spirit that was in him lives in us. I was actually preaching when I was preaching at the nursing home. And this is something that a lot of them had really found funny because it's true. But I had asked them, I said, could you imagine showing up to church with a basket on your head? And they just looked at me funny. Like, why would you even say that? But this is something I thought about. Like, that is how God sees the church right now, because some of them are only showing their light in certain areas. Like, oh, I'm not going to give this here to you. I'm going to give you this, but not this. You can't see this. You can only see this. And like, you know how a basket has those lines and stuff and you only see portions of it. And that's what we are as a church giving people is just a portion of Jesus. We're not giving him, giving people the whole thing. Like here it is, take the basket off and show the whole image of who he's supposed to be. And how do we do that? By walking it out, by acting just like he did, by having that same spirit that he had. And that was something that I was preaching on in the nursing home is just showing that same attributes that Jesus had, having that same spirit and that same love and work, walking in that same sacrifice that he walked in. So what I was looking for, which it kind of ties to this, but it just kind of popped in my mind while I was thinking about it. It says, and it was in Titus 2, uh, 12, it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And like you said, sacrifice. There's another spot in the Bible, which I'm not going to fight to go look for it right off top. Uh, but there was another spot in the Bible, and I want to say it was in Hebrews, but it's, it was talking about, you know, it, we were bought with a price. Um, I don't think that's in there, but it was saying that um, uh, we, we uh, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice was a reasonable service. Right. You know what I mean? That's that's our reasonable service. And, and, and it's like what you just said. Jesus was the ultimately an ultimate sacrifice, but... He showed us how to be a sacrifice, how to be a living sacrifice, how to give him, give ourselves up. And you're right. There's a lot of people uh, across and understands that when we're talking about the church, we're not ever pinpointing one church over another. No. We're always talking about it as a whole because there's different parts of the body. We understand yeah. that. Paul gave us a good illustration of what the body of Christ would look like, how it functions. But when I'm talking about the church, I'm just talking about the, the believers in general, not just one particular church or you know, because the Bible also talks about how he said, my church, my church. He's not talking about just one church in particular. He's talking about the Christians as a whole. Right. Well, and, and this is another thing, because you can go down here a couple more verses, and it says, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us that. from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people that's zealous of good works. So this is, you know, sacrifice, um, you know, it's a responsibility that you've got. You know, I was actually, cause we, uh, you guys are going to get it a week late, but we're getting ready to step into these services and stuff like that. And we have a prophet who's come and he's going to be ministering to people and stuff like that. And so what's exciting about that is because, um, 
you know, we was kind of journeying with God a long hand and, and Amber was asking me kind of what I was believing for and stuff like that. And I was thinking about some different things because I really didn't have anything in particular that I was really setting myself for. But one thing I did come to the conclusion of, I was driving to the church um, just a couple of days ago for me right now. Um, and God spoke to me. He said, new spiritual authorities require work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you want to know why the church today doesn't walk as freely as uh, in, in some of those authorities that um, the apostles exercised or the disciples at that time exercised. And it's because nobody wanted to pay a price for it. Right. You know, we, I think we think for some reason that while Jesus, even though that they weren't, may not, you know, what did he say? He said, while the bridegroom's with them, they can't fast. He said, but a day will come that they will fast because he, they were upset because they weren't fasting. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? What did Paul say? Or what did, uh, what did Peter say when they come after him and they said, Hey, we need somebody to help out with tables. Why aren't you guys helping? That's kind of what he, I'm paraphrasing. He said, should we leave the word of God and prayer and all these other things to serve tables, pick you out seven men. And let them do it. You know, we're going to give ourselves to this. They understood that it was going to take sacrifice to obtain. And they already had. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Peter walked through the door and the gates. And, and, and his shadow would... People get healed by just being under his shadow. Yeah. So there was a price that had to be paid. Even after Jesus went up, there was a price that still had to be paid. And ultimately, it cost him... You know, he was a martyr. He, he died... For, yeah. for the cross, you know, he died for the, for the, for the faith. So think about this though. So I was, I was thinking, I was like, okay, that's part of that. And then another thing that stuck out to me, there was only 12 apostles originally, right? We, we understand that as the 12 apostles, the 12 foundations of the church. There was only 12 of them. Now there was many more other disciples that worked miracles and that did those kinds of things, but there was only 12 of them that operated at the capacity that they did. Well, that just kind of shows, you know, the ones that's how, I don't know how to word it. Well, let me, let me finish my point here. So there's only 12 out of how many millions of people in that region. Cause they were the, the ones who put in the work is where I was getting at. Yeah. And think of, and but as soon as I thought that the Holy ghost reminded you, there was also 70 disciples. that was with Jesus. But if you think about it, and you go back in scripture, I believe those 70 disciples departed from him. They did. At some point, the Bible said, or just shortly after identifying that there was 70 in that timeline, a little bit later, I want to say it was in John 6, 66. He said, who? He said, will you leave me also? And it's because he was looking at his inner circle and said, are you going with him? You realize how many people stepped away when they realized it was going to cause? Think about the man who had riches and all those other things. And he said, you know, he said, uh, he said, Rabbi, he said, I've, I've kept everything. I've done everything. I've covered every, every bit of piece of the law. He said, and you've been truthful and you're telling me the truth. He said, but this is what you could do. He said, sell everything that you've got and give it to the poor and come follow me. Mm-hmm. And he, he couldn't do it. Why? Because yeah. it was going to cost him something. It was going to cost him significantly. See, we think about Jesus uh, when he said, count the cost, no man starts building a house unless he's first sat down and made sure he has what it takes to finish the project, lest he would not be able to finish it and becomes a laughing stock. Yeah. So think about that. It, Jesus wasn't just talking about, 
natural things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That wasn't just a wisdom principle there that says, hey, well, if you're going to remodel something in your house, make sure you can finish the remodel before. That's not what he was saying. He was saying count the cost of what it's going to, what it takes to serve, what it takes to obtain, what it takes to walk in authority. Go ahead. Sorry. I was, I was just going to say, I had asked the kids this morning in the car on the way to school. I had asked them, I said, you know, a, just a basic question. Is there anything in this world that you put above Jesus? And, you know, of course, they gave me the same answer. Most people would when, you know, most people in the church would. No, you know, Jesus is more important than anything in this world. But, you know, I had asked them again. I said, so... I said, so if I was to tell you, you could either read your Bible or go play with, um, you know, your blocks or whatever, which one would you choose to do? And they all said, well, I'd probably play with my blocks. And I said, so I said, if you are playing with your blocks, is that choosing over Jesus in that moment? And then they all kind of stared at me. I said, I know it's hard to think of it that way, but it is. It's the truth. If you can choose something over that in that moment, I had, I'd actually said it, something similar the other day. I said, why is it so hard for us to, we can go around talking about, oh, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to spend praying and doing this and this and this. But 10 minutes, you're sitting in the uh, doctor's office, you're sitting there scrolling on Facebook or playing Angry Birds. You could have been reading your Bible and studying what God says about you and what Jesus has done for you. But yet we still continue to say, Oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. And you know, God had really dealt with me on that because I was guilty. I'm not even just sitting here pinpointing other people. I'm pinpointing myself because I did the same thing. I'm sitting here in the house all day and I'm crocheting, doing whatever I'm doing, not taking my time out of my day to do what, you know, he asks of me. So I mean, now I've done better with it, but there for a long time, I spent literally just doing whatever. But then he had spoke to me one time. He said, you know, when you choose to read your Bible and spend time with me over anything else that you're doing in this world, you are sacrificing something for me. Well, it's like uh, Pastor Gina said it a hundred times. She says, you know, if you're going to fast, right, or you're going to have a form of fasting going on, she's like, it's got to cost something. Because if it, it does. doesn't, it don't, it's not fast. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't cost you, it's not fasting. Um, now, that's what she says. Me, I tend to take a different approach to that because, um, but, I, but, you, but you're right. I can't deny that it's sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? Who am I to determine? Actually, I have a, actually, I have a, a great example because it's an Isaiah uh, about what a fast is intended for and what that looks like and stuff like that. But, you know, it has to cost something. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? But again, it still comes back to one thing. It's got to be a sacrifice. It's got to be something that's going to cost you something. And again, we come back to the same concept. Well, but like fire what you falls was on sacrifice. Well, and like what you was just talking about, and it just reminded me Second uh, Timothy 3, 5, and it's talking about having the appearance of godliness, but to deny the power of thereof to from those people turn away. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, I think about how many millions of Christians, um, you know, I've seen their fruit, you know what I mean? And they, they say they're saved and they say this and they say this, but then, um, you know, you just see their lives and you see what's going on there. Now, there's a difference between somebody who's dealing with something, you know right. what I'm saying? There's people who deal with things, but then there's people who, uh, you know, when I was growing up was like the average Christian that I thought, right? Um, they just showed up on Sunday and they did as little as they could and they might put 20 cents in the offering plate and get mad when the church door shut. And it's like, well, 
you never paid your tithe like you were supposed to, so the church couldn't have stayed open even if it wanted well, most, to. That's because most people have this thought that, oh, the only thing them pastors are using that money for is themselves. Right. And that's not true. We've learned no, that not. over the years. Well, and the other side of that, too, is, and again, it comes back to having to sacrifice something. You know what I mean? They want they want God to just do everything for them. Mm-hmm. You know, when he put Jesus on the cross and he died for us, he did everything. Mm-hmm. It is now our job to pick up our cross and follow him. That's what he told us, right? He said, you know, he who denies himself will find himself. Yeah. You know, if you want to be found, if you want to be locked in this world, then fine, you can have this world and he'll give it to you. But you're going to lose out on so much more. You know, you could be a Christian, have material wealth um, and, and still and still make it into heaven. But you're going to live far under what God's expectation for your life was. Yeah, you know, I want to share this. I won't put his name on it, but um, had a pastor uh, tell me a story, uh, and it was that God had showed him a vision mm-hmm. about, um, you know, like it had body parts and all kinds of things in it. It was just this vision of this, and he said, "This is everything that is waiting for you to, to obtain." You know, this is every. You know, this basically really what he was getting at was, you're not deep enough yet. Yeah, You need to come in further. You need to do more. You've got to set yourself harder because there's things here that you're not getting and it's just going by you. You know what I mean? You're just letting them go. You're just letting them go. I remember something Todd White said. He said he spent X amount of months uh, inside of stores praying for people and never yeah. once saw anybody get healed until the day it happened. Yeah. I mean, his wife flat out refused to go in stores with him. People were scared to death to get around him because, I mean... You know, he just didn't matter what he was doing until he said he prayed for some lady and her back popped. As she stood up out of a wheel, uh, scooter wheelchair. Yep. Could you imagine that, though? That was sacrifice. He gave, he almost lost his marriage over that. Yeah. And you, go, you don't believe me. Go find his YouTube video. He talks about it. He almost lost his marriage over that. And he was pursuing God because yeah. he's like, God, you said that you would do this. You said you would do this. You said you would do this. And he's chasing God and almost cost him his marriage over it. But he was willing to throw it all away. If it meant he could obtain something for someone else from the throne room. You know, that's our job as Christians. Our job is to go to the world and to show them that Jesus is good. And he wants to do good for their life. How do they get that? You know what I'm saying? Because they, they don't have what it takes to obtain it themselves, right? Well, because it's like they're Al not even he had, he had made a comment. He was talking about the spirit of mammon and stuff. And he said, you know, the spirit of mammon is what met Jesus on that mountain. It met him and it said, I'll give you all these things if you'll just bow down and worship me. Even Jesus dealt with that spirit. He dealt with the world coming at him like, hey, if you do this, you can have this. You can have this. You can have this. The Bible says the same thing. But first you have to seek him. You can have these things. You just got to seek him first. Well, and that's the other thing people don't want to talk about prosperity. But prosperity with God is going to cost you something. Oh, yeah. Again, it's going to cost. But see, even prosperity is meant to be giving. You know, like God never ever intended even even he told israel too like i was just thinking about and i can't think of where i saw it at but i remember reading it he said you know you'll lend and not borrow that's what he told israel now that's a promise we can have too we can lend and not borrow but that was what he promised them you know he was going to add riches without sorrow he was going to add all these things to it but that's where we're having the issues we don't want to we don't want to sacrifice he said he told that to israel you know if you Take uh, if you look in Revelation, it talks about how Israel is the bride of 
Christ and all those promises are on her. And he's talking about the church is Israel. It was, I thought that was kind of cool. You said that. So you can claim that for yourself, too. Well, yeah, you, you, it's a whole different teaching in itself. Really, (laughs) and that's why Paul said we've got a better covenant. See, because the covenant that Israel existed under was the Abrahamic covenant. Yeah. And they existed under that and they existed under the Exodus, you know, the covenant that they had with, that God made with Moses and the people of Israel when Moses led them out. You know, that was what their promises were. And then we received the promise of Christ. See, they some Jews that haven't converted to Christianity yet, they're still waiting on a Messiah to show up. They haven't got the revelation that Jesus was their Messiah. Right. And so since they haven't figured that out yet, what's happened is, you know, they, you know, Paul said, hey, we've got a better covenant. Not, you know, and, and really, you could expound on that in your own thought. You get all the promises of Christ. Mm-hmm. You get the promise of salvation. You get the promise of righteousness. You know, all those things. And then everything that came out before that, all the promises, you know, why is it that we tithe and we still do those things? Because he said, render to Caesar what's Caesar's and render to God what's God. Right. The tithe never disappeared. He, Jesus said, not one jot or tittle of this law will pass away until this earth fades. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's defining. So its promises are just as defining in there as they will be until, just like the judgment. Paul said, hey, if you... You fail in one portion of the law, you failed in all of it. That's why the law, the law was a teacher to point us to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, we had no opportunity of standing and doing that. Jesus is the only person who ever came and successfully fulfilled the law in and of itself every way. But he did so with an empowerment from the Holy Ghost. We understand that because John said, he said that the Lord spoke to him and said, whoever you see the dove fall upon, that will be, that will be the, that'll be him. That'll be, that'll be the, that'll be the Messiah. And that's what his job was to do. And well, then people got mad. They said, well, your disciples are leaving you. He says, he, they have to. I have to decrease so that he can increase. You know, again, see, even John understood that there was a sacrifice that he was going to have to give. He had a ministry that was flooding Israel. Could you imagine that? I mean, think about it. You're, you, you're, a, you, you're, you're a prophet. You're the Bible, what the Bible called the prophet that would proclaim the day of the Lord. And you have got a ministry that's flooded the nation. Mm-hmm. Not just bits and pieces of it, not just a little part. I mean, the nation was flooding the place so that he could baptize them. And Jesus was there for days among that same crowd until the day he walked out. And then he got baptized. Even John understood that his day would come, it would have to sacrifice. And ultimately, it, it caused him to be beheaded. You know, he was killed. We don't even have the first concept of what it means to sacrifice. No, because sacrifice is painful, and as soon as people feel the littlest bit of pain, they're done. Yeah, we just, we have no clue what it means to sacrifice. But... And I'm guilty. I can't even say that I'm not. Oh, yeah, no, so... I'm, you know what, I'm, I've am i been there, I've done it, and I'm trying to get, I'm trying to be more mindful of it, um, because I'm aware of when I'm like, like what you was talking about earlier, you know, like, I'm I'm tired, you know, we've been busy this week, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, you guys are getting this a week late, but we've been super busy, and I've done like I was say, it's, half a kitchen remodel. It's draining, and, yeah. Yeah, and so like, I'm like sitting there at my break, Physically, and I'm like, mentally. yeah, I'm like <laughs> wanting to fall asleep at my break at work, and I'm just like kind of dodding off, and I'm looking at my Bible, I was like, man, no, I gotta, I gotta push through, like, God, I can give you this, I can do this, you know, because a lot of the time, I'm pretty busy, kids take up our time. You know, me and you take up each other's time. And God wants those things. That's the order. We got to balance those things. In that, I try to remind myself constantly that it's, you know, it's the process. It is. It really is the process. Because even look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He did the same thing. He was tired. He wanted out. He was so stressed that he was 
you know, uh, sweating blood. He was, he was so stressed. He knew what he was about to step into. He knew that that was the sacrifice he was making, but he was so tired and he wanted people to sit up with him and pray. And they, they couldn't even give him that, you know? Well, I was just thinking about something that, uh, you had said, or I had seen or something like that. You sent it to me. That's what it was. And it says, could you imagine if Jesus would have been right in the middle of carrying that cross Mm -hmm. and he threw it off and said, I said, I give up. We understand the Bible. He says, don't you know that I couldn't call down tens of thousands, ten thousands of legions of angels? And they would deliver him out. Yeah. In a moment's notice. And here's the craziest part. And this is the part I think I love the most is the fact that he, even the Roman guards, the way they had done everything it is that they had done to him. He even at the last moment of his breath, he said, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. But think about it. No, seriously, go back, go back a few steps. He's in a garden. He just told the disciples this. If Jesus could not have been the redemption, if he'd have given up Mm -hmm. and had not been redemption for the world, the world would have ended right there. Yeah. 10,000 legions of angels. A legion, I believe, was a Roman count for a thousand soldiers. Right. 100,000 angels. It only took one angel to massacre a city. I mean, seriously, let's think about this. If Jesus would have thrown the cross down because he understood the sacrifice he was about to make, and he did know, but what if he would have decided, I'm not doing it. They're not worth it. That's like a thing I had seen the other day. There was this woman, she kind of ignorantly commented on something, and she said, uh, because she was the lady was talking about how Jesus had died for everybody's sins and stuff and um, how he had sacrificed himself. She said, he could have called down angels. That was his choice. And the lady commented back and, or she like made a video back to her and she said, yeah, it was his choice so that he could save people like you. (laughs) And it was just like, whoa, like, but but she was right. Yeah, no, she's right. And, but no, seriously, think about that. If he decided, if he had decided that'd have been the end of the world right there. Right. Because that meant that man would have stayed in its unredemptable stage. And we, I mean, really, at that point, what would that, what would that have left us? We would have just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled and spiraled and spiraled, and none of us would even be here right now. Or what would have happened, you know, I mean, God put the rainbow. Everybody makes this comment, and I'm going to probably close with this, but everybody makes this comment about how if God's such a good God, why would he let these things happen? Why does he let this happen? Why does he let this happen? You know, think about every time you find a rainbow in the sky. And I have found, but right, because he repented in his heart what he had done to man, and he made a token, and it was the rainbow, and he gave the rainbow as a token that he would never destroy mankind again. So let's, let's venture on this thought for a second. If God made a promise, and we believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, his promise is, no matter what man's doing, I will never destroy them. He says, I will not do it. But he made a promise before the foundations of the earth that he was going to send his son. Right. The Bible actually tells us he was slain before the foundations of the earth. It was already done. God knew that by giving them free will, they could potentially make the choice to not stay consecrated Mm -hmm. to him. And they did. So if we understand that 
this is meant to be a token of promise. I'm not going to destroy the world anymore. You want to know why God is not raining fire down on people for how they're acting? Because he told them he wouldn't. Because he promised them that he would not do it. He promised mankind that no matter what's going on, he would not do it again. Because right, what the Bible say? The Bible said that every man went and did what was right in his own eyes. And only Noah was found righteous. It didn't even say his family. It just said him. One in a generation was found righteous. He got to take his family with him. Didn't say that his family was righteous. I have to double check it, but I'm pretty sure it didn't say it. it said he was found righteous. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it said his family was either. So he was one. Yeah. One person out of a generation of people, and God flooded the earth, killed everybody, mm-hmm. and told Noah to go and replenish and multiply. So think about that. That's God's promise to us. And then he followed it up just to guarantee you that's just to add just a little, just a little, a little sauce on the, on the top of it. He, he gave Jesus up next. And then promised you eternal life. And promised you a place in heaven if you just accept him as your savior. I mean, what else could you ask for, really? You know what I'm saying? God loves us unconditionally. Now, he is not happy with the things that we do. You know, and this is what we're talking about here. Counting a cost and making a sacrifice. Well, I was going to add to that, too. Because there's some people that will be like, oh, well, it does say vengeance is mine. It does. But... That vengeance always comes from you walking away from God anyway. He says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? Because they was trying to fight. But if if vengeance is on somebody, that means that they're not even serving him to begin with because they're not doing what he's asked. So that's what I was trying to say with it. I wasn't trying to. Um, Typically, vengeance falls on sinners, not. Well, and and it's the same concept there. You know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You know, it's not our job to go and. You know, I mean, even in Revelations, you talked about earlier, you know, they said, hey, how long, how long are we going to have to suffer? And he says, you're going to wait until those have been accomplished that have been set to die. I actually sat and cried the other day because I was reading in Revelations about how even after the rapture and during the tribulations and stuff, he even gives people another chance. If I'm not mistaken, he gives them two more after the rapture from what I've understood from Pastor Phil preaching and stuff. He was talking about how there was two more times that he gives them another chance. How much mercy does a person need? You know, that that was my thought process on it. Like, how much mercy, you know? He's given so much mercy to these people, no matter how many times you mess up, no matter how many times you fall, no matter how many times you screw up. He's He's so quick to forgive, and it just, like, it just amazes me, like, I I wouldn't have done it, you know? You wouldn't have done it, but he does it continually. And so that's a good point to make because you're right, and that's the same thing like I was just talking about. Like, that's God's mercy. Mm-hmm. It's the grace of God. And I say that, but I don't mean a sloppy, no. once saved, always saved grace. That ain't the kind of grace I believe in. Dust yourself off, get up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get up and go after it because he is going to, he, God, his, he is not worried about the fact that you fell. You turn back. And so since you turn back, that's something he can work with. You're not being stiff-necked and fighting against. You know, we could start talking about Hebrews. Hebrews talks about 
them being given over. You know, a wicked person. There's wicked people out there, and the re- reality is, is those kinds of people are probably the kinds of people that are going to need some mercy when, uh, yeah. you know, when tribulation and stuff starts happening. But uh, with that being said, you know, God still, he, he loves you. Um, and if you're listening and you're not saved or you're backslidden or you're struggling with something, God still loves you. He is still waiting on you to give him room. And so if that's something you want to do today, what I want you to do is just, uh, um, I just want you to repeat this prayer with me and just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that Jesus would become Lord and Savior of my life today. And that from this day forward, I will live for you. I repent of my sin and I'm pursuing you. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so if that's something that you've done today, we want to know about that. You can reach out to us at our email. You guys can reach out to us on our website, on Facebook. If you need to know those things, rewind the podcast and go listen to it at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, yeah, whatever you guys got to do. Uh, so, Amber, go ahead and pray us out. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the sacrifices that you made, Lord, and that you are teaching us how to sacrifice ourselves to be better, to know better, to do better for you, Lord, that we would continue on and to carry out your word the way that you have asked us to, Lord, that we would be obedient, that we would be able to walk in your obedience. And we just thank you for it, God. We thank you for the authority and the power that you've given us to do those things. And I ask, Lord, that you would just continue to pour those things out on us. And I just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Looking forward to catching you next week on the next episode. So take care and God bless.